Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Again, what a privilege it is to be here. The Life Church, all of you tonight, give honor to your pastor today. My friend, brother and sister Justin and Anna Gleason, honor you tonight. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Your pastor has been instrumental in my life during certain seasons, and I'm grateful for his friendship tonight. Also to Bishop and Sister Gleason, God bless you, honor and love you, some of my heroes. Amen. My friends, Nathan and Dathan, Santomir, I love and appreciate you very much. Just good to be among God's people tonight. Amen. Amen. And I have found that there are certain seasons in life that God will afford us that will create future moments that will sustain us. And I, I want to I want to help somebody tonight. And I'll tell you up front what I'll preach tonight is a message that I preached for the first time a year and a half ago when I was at a trying time in life. And I had to rediscover how good God really was. How many know God is good? Amen. And I think God brings us to times and through times where it's difficult to see what he's doing just so we can learn all over again that he is good. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you for worshiping. God bless you. It was a summer evening and the weather was perfect. The windows were down and the wind was blowing and Adventures in Odyssey was playing as I drove down the country roads of Northern California. The sun was beginning to set and its rays were dancing off the clouds in the distant sky as it began its glorious final act as the day came to an end. Beautiful and peaceful Glorious, relaxing are all words that describe the moment I was in. There's nothing like a summer country drive in Northern California. There's a lot of issues out there, but beauty is not one of them. And as I was driving in this beautiful, picturesque moment, I reached over and I grabbed more sunflower seeds out of the bag of David's that was on the seat next to me. And I threw them in my mouth, and as I continued my mission to annihilate this entire bag of seeds, I bit down, and immediately something happened that absolutely destroyed that amazing moment I was in. And some of you know where I'm going because it's happened to you. Something happened that was not supposed to happen. This nasty bitter, horrid taste came into my mouth and my face slowly turned from one of pleasant to disgusted because the glorious taste of so much salt had now been replaced by the rancid, putrid taste of a bad sunflower seed. And suddenly, having forgotten about all the other 279 good seeds that I had eaten, the wonderful moment I was experiencing had been ruined by one seed. And while there are not many other horrible life experiences that compare to this one, I 
tried looking it up to see what causes it. I don't know whether it was a worm that somehow got cooked into the shell or if it was an overcooked seed, but all of a sudden I felt like the Lord feels about somebody who's lukewarm, and I just wanted to spew it out of my mouth. Even candy corn and marshmallow peeps weren't as bad as this taste. And I started looking for an agent to counteract the bitterness and something else to eat or drink just to get my taste back to normal because it had been horribly displaced. And a thought hit me as I was driving down the road. While serving God is a wonderful experience. Isn't it amazing how if I let it, one bad taste can affect my perspective on everything else. And I learned that when your taste becomes tainted, so does your appetite. And those offenses that must come are designed to make you miss the amazing moments that God has planned for your future. All of a sudden, I wasn't quite as hungry anymore. I was a little bit hesitant to put more sunflower seeds in my mouth because the thought was always there. What's the next one going to taste like? When's the next bitter one going to come my way? I don't ever want to go through that again. I don't ever want to taste that again. And it intrigued my attention. And since we're in the time of year when Americans consume the most than they will any other week of the year, I begin to do a little bit of research on taste. And I found out that there are not more than five cardinal tastes, sour, savory, salty, sweet, and bitter, yet combinations of them yield more flavors than can ever be tasted. In multi-course meals, chefs will purposely try and combine three to four of these flavors to create an incredible taste in one sitting. As one of the five main senses, taste is interesting because it is probably the one that is preached about the least and the hardest to preach. After all, it's only mentioned 21 times in the Bible. It's easy to preach about, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain and everybody's faith go crazy. It's exciting to preach about, hey, Jesus is walking through this place right now. And if somebody will reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by, you'll receive your miracle. It's awesome to say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Builds faith to say, our prayers go up as a sweet smelling savor to God. But then we come to a verse like Psalms 34 and 8 where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we start preaching about taste to see, we're like, wait a minute. It's a tad more difficult to build your faith like it can be built with the other four senses. And I started thinking about it. How do I preach on something like taste and see that the Lord is good and be effective? Because it's easy in theory until you realize taste is acquired. And it requires more faith than it does the other four senses. you got to remember taste is acquired. Some things people eat over and over and over again until it agrees with their spirit. No, nobody just backslides. And you don't say you like something without trying at first. Now, there are some church potlucks that I go to that there are certain dishes of which I will not partake. Not because I'm any kind of food snob. But because while that person tells me they cook the best turkey necks in the world, I have no desire to eat turkey necks. 
I don't care what they taste like. While that person says their green beans will make your mouth water, I have seen the inside of your house. And there is nowhere I'm eating anything from the kitchen where your cat wanders freely on the counter. But when I see the KFC buckets, I make a beeline for them because I know what's going to be on the inside. I know the taste and I know what to expect and my body has an acquired taste for grease. And taste is something of which you learn when you partake. Really, it takes just as much or more faith for your taste than any other sense because unless you've tried it, you have no idea of what to expect. Something may smell good, but you can't stand the taste of it. And I'm convinced that people walk through our doors and instead of them first being able to try God and see that He is good, oftentimes the first thing they taste is what we like to bring to the party. And it becomes easy for us to think that what we bring ought to be the main course that people experience. We think our little program ought to be the thing that makes people's heads spin. We think our little song and dance ought to be the thing that gets everybody's attention. When it is our job to make sure what people are experiencing is Him. Never forget, everything is about Him. Never forget, this is all about Him. Every song is about Him. All our worship is about Him. Every prayer, every sermon, every hand clap, every praise, it's all about Him because there's nobody like Him. Nobody can save you like Him. Nobody can redeem you like Him. Nobody can deliver you like He can deliver you. Nobody can make a way like Him. Nobody can speak like Him. Nobody can hear like Him. Nobody can see as far as He can or reach as far as He This is all about Him. And somehow, I've got to get somebody to taste and see that He is good. Taste is the only sense that you've got to consume the product in order to know its true value. It's easy to see what churches like when you begin to watch. And as I travel, it's interesting to observe and see that certain churches have certain tastes for certain things and nothing wrong with that. Just certain churches are built in particular ways. Some churches have a taste for shout and that's all they offer is shout, shout, shout. And I love to shout. As a matter of fact, when God comes back, he's coming back with a But shouting is a shallow diet that will eventually starve you if that's all you're consuming. Because it's easy to shout on Sunday and sin on Monday. you got to learn to do more than just shout if you're going to find out about Jesus. Some churches have a buffet of faith and they have so much faith they've got no common sense. And I love preaching on faith. But sometimes you got to have a little bit more than faith. you got to include a little bit of action with that faith. And churches have certain tastes for certain things that feed them. But if you want to have a balanced church, you better make sure that somewhere in the middle of everything you're doing, the lamb is on the menu. 
Because people aren't coming into our services for our song. People aren't coming into this atmosphere for our hand clap. People aren't coming in here because we've got the greatest lighting. And I'm for all of that. But we got to remember, people are coming in here because they're hungry. People are coming in here because they're broken. People are coming in here because their family's falling apart. People are coming in here because they're hurt and they're wounded and they're afraid and they're confused. And everything the world has fed them has been bitter and they're trying to spit out the putrid taste of a life that sin brings. People are hungry for something but they're sick of the taste of the world and that is where we come in to show them hey there is life beyond what you think is normal. Hey, if you're a visitor here, let me tell you, there is something more. There is somebody who will never disappoint you. There is somebody who will never leave you. There is somebody who will never let you down. You tried the world and you came away empty and you came away hungry and hurt. Hey, but let me introduce you to Jesus tonight. Let me introduce you to the one who can put a marriage back together. Let me introduce you to the one who can take a life that's falling apart and make something brand new. Come on. We're dealing with people now coming in wondering what gender they are. We're dealing with people whose minds have been warped by drugs and pornography and those whose lives have been ruined by what the world has to offer and everything's left them empty and everything's left them bitter and everything's left them starving and it's not going to be a program that's going to save them. It's going to be Jesus. Come on, it's going to be Jesus. And so we're here on a Wednesday night to introduce somebody to the way maker. We're here on a Wednesday night to introduce somebody to the bread of life, to show somebody the mender of a broken heart. Somebody is here and they're going to try. Jesus. But how? How do you take somebody who has been through so much hell and get the bitter taste out of their mouth? How do you take somebody who never grew up with any normalcy in their home and show them peace? How do you take somebody who's been a slave to sin and experienced more than you will ever know and let them know there is something more? In Exodus chapter 12, God begins to talk to Moses and Aaron and begins to instruct them on what he is getting ready to do. And we're introduced to what we know as Passover. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go, even after seeing plague after plague decimate the land. And finally, God tells Moses and Aaron, I'm going to pass through Egypt and execute judgment. And every firstborn, both man and beast is going to die. And he said, I want every household to take a male lamb that is without blemish and on the 14th day of the month every house is going to kill that lamb. And you're going to take its blood and you're going to spread that blood upon the doorpost of your house with hyssop. So that when I pass through Egypt, I will see the blood and pass over your house. How many are thankful for the blood tonight? Come on, how many are thankful for the blood tonight? He said, after you've done that and the blood is on the doorpost, then I want you to go gather up the bitter herbs that are horrid to the table.
taste and you're going to consume them. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of Egypt. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of where I'm bringing you from. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the life you came out of. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of everything that was ever done wrong to you. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the mistrust you have in people. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the heartache. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the scars. The bitter herbs are going to tell the story of your pain. The bitter herbs are going to bring back the memories of the past because no matter who you are, life at some point will serve you a bitter portion. An offense must be served and there are going to be times when you got to deal with issues that weren't fair and you got to deal with issues that weren't right. But he said with all of the bitterness, hear me, I'm going to give you a mediator. I'm not just going to leave you with your hurt. I'm not just going to leave you with your anger. I'm not just going to leave you with all of your bitterness. I'm going to give you something that is going to balance the bitterness that life has brought you because you're not only going to eat the bitter herbs of life, you're also going to take the sweet and tender and savory meat of that lamb whose blood you just put on the doorpost and you're going to consume it. Exodus 12 and 8, and they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Hear me tonight. The only way you're going to be able to consume the bitterness is if you also consume the lamb. Let me remind you of what John shouted when he saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. You want to know what the root meaning of the word sin in the original language was before it was translated? You could have read that verse like this. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the offense of the world. And the only way you're going to be able to deal with all the bitterness of life and the only way you're going to be able to deal with all the offenses of life is if you partake of the Lamb. The only way you're going to be able to deal with the wounds is if you consume the Lamb because the taste of the Lamb will counteract the bitterness and the flavor of the Lamb will be stronger than the hurt and the goodness of the Lamb will be stronger than the worst day of your life. So now let me stop and preach it for just a minute. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you partake of him, you're going to find out that the goodness of God is stronger. The goodness of the lamb is more powerful. The goodness of the lamb is appealing. The goodness of the lamb goes further. The goodness of the lamb is everlasting. The goodness of the lamb is following me. The goodness of the lamb takes up the slack. The goodness of the lamb fills the hungry soul. But you've got to taste and see for yourself. Maybe you came here today because you thought we have good programs. And we do. Maybe you came here tonight because you thought it was going to be good worship. And it was. Maybe you came
came here today because it's a nice facility. But before we introduce you to any of that, before you try anything else tonight, try Jesus. Come on, it's not our programs that are going to save you. It's the spotless lamb. It's not our finances that are going to save you. It's the lamb for sinners slain. It's not our music that's going to save you. It's the lamb that takes away sin. It's not our talent that's going to help you. It's the goodness of God. Come on, he's good. On a Wednesday night, he's good. On a Thursday, Friday, doesn't matter. God is good. God is infinitely good. He's independently good. He's absolutely good. He's unchangeably good. He's universally good. He's eternally good. He's good. And the more you try him, the more you're going to want of him. But the only way you're going to find out is you're going to have to taste and see. Before you give the marijuana another chance, give the lamb a chance. Before you give the alcohol another swig, give the lamb a chance. Before you leave this place and give the cigarette another draw, try the lamb. Now that I've preached to the sinner, let me preach to the saint. How is it that somebody who's lived for God for years can all of a sudden lose their taste for the things of God as though their ability to discern has been dulled? How can somebody that was hungering and thirsting after righteousness for so long suddenly turn their back on God and start causing problems in the church and creating issues in the middle of momentum? It's because somewhere along the line, you go back and trace it, they've stopped eating the lamb. And if you have lost your ability to partake in the forgiveness and goodness of God and all you're consuming are the bitter herbs it will not be long before it's somebody else's fault or I'm the victim it's my life you can't tell me how to live it nobody has it as bad as I do I never want to go back to Egypt the church never helped somewhere you let bitterness have access to your spirit and the lamb has been lost I find it interesting when COVID first started one of the first symptoms that everybody noticed was that it took away people's ability to taste and I I do believe that COVID came from hell. I watched COVID more wrecked more lives in the church than I've seen in a long time. And yeah, we've won a lot in these last three years. But what about all the ones that were never supposed to leave? Even today, people say, I never fully got my taste back. And I can't eat the things I used to eat because they just don't taste the same. Some have said their taste hasn't come back in over three years. And when it did, they just weren't the same because I don't like the... You've heard people say it. And somehow, somewhere, when the enemy gets a hold of somebody and they stop consuming the lamb more than they do the bitter herbs, you got to remember, taste is acquired. 
And pretty soon they become so used to eating the bitterness that they forget about the sweetness of the lamb. And the lamb becomes lost. And now they cannot tell they're consuming bitterness and literally starving themselves into hell because their taste buds are so messed up. And if you have lost your ability to taste, that is where the danger lies. If you don't think it's possible to get there, Job said in 6 and 30, Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? Job said, I'm in a place where I can't tell what's right and I can't tell what's wrong. And one of the first things the enemy will do will be to take away your ability to taste that the Lord is good and try to keep the bitter taste in your mouth. And now you're bitter towards the church and now you're bitter towards the man of God and you're bitter towards the saints and you're eating what other bitter people are eating and you enjoy what other backsliders are enjoying. Hey, the enemy has come to steal and to kill and destroy your taste for the goodness of God. What is it that causes somebody to fall away from God and say things like, I don't believe it like I used to believe it? What is it that causes somebody to crave the things of the flesh and not the things of God? What is it that causes somebody to begin to eat the bitter things and leave the lamb alone? It's because somewhere the partaking of the lamb has become optional. Because when you consume the lamb, I'm sorry, it overcomes all offense. It overcomes all bitterness. When I taste the lamb, I forget about the bitterness because I'm reminded that the Lord is good. And sometimes you just got to remind yourself, God is good. Even when everything's not going my way, I have found that the way to make myself happy is just to remind myself, with everything that I'm going through, God is still good. When I partake of the lamb, I'm reminded that with everything happening around me that's crazy, God is still good. Come on, has he been good to anybody in the house tonight? Come on, would you clap your hands if you're thankful for his goodness right now? Come on, if we could take a trip down memory lane and remind ourselves of how good he's been. On a Wednesday night, there wouldn't be one hand that wouldn't be clapping. There wouldn't be one voice that wouldn't be raised. There wouldn't be one foot that wouldn't be stopping. Because the goodness of God is greater than anything I'm going through. He's good. Peter said, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envy, envies, evil, evil words. As newborn babes desire the pure soul-nourishing milk that you grow by it. If indeed you tasted that the Lord is good. Before you do something crazy, try the lamb. Before you decide to get vengeance... Try the lamb. Before you begin to talk about how you were done wrong, try the lamb. Before you start criticizing the ministry, try the lamb. Before you decide to get the divorce, try the lamb. Before you leave the 
this place and go back to the world. And I petition to everybody in this house on a Wednesday night is simply try the lamb. Musicians, you can come. Feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Will you, will you stretch a hand towards heaven right now? Come on, I, I came to help somebody tonight. Somebody needs to try the Lord all over again. You've been away for a long time, and it's time for you to, it's time for you to try the Lamb. Come on, it's not going to be a program that's going to fix it for you. It's going to be the Lamb. Come on, it's not going to be something that you have to just go through 12 steps. No, 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 it's going to be the Lamb. Come on, every hand lifted all across the house tonight. Oh! Jesus, we love you. As you stand to your feet across the house tonight, Jesus is dying on the cross. His body is tattered and in ribbons, the cat of nine tails, and then beating him nonstop. His flesh is hanging in ribbons. Pulls himself up just to get another breath. He knows it's not his time to die yet, but he's just got to hold on a little bit longer, so he pulls himself up. Takes a breath, lets himself back down. They see him suffering and they put a little bit of gall and they put a little bit of vinegar together and they say, hey, Jesus, you've gone through a lot today. You're barely living. Drink a little bit of this bitterness. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to take away some of the pain. And hear me tonight, one of the greatest lies from hell will be to tell you that you've got a right to be wounded and you've got a right to be offended. And you've got a right to be hurt. One of the greatest lies of the enemy will come to you at your lowest moment and say, drink a little bit of this. You've gone through a lot. Try a little bit of this. You've been hurt really bad. Drink a little bit of this. You've been abused. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been... But the Bible says... When Jesus took a little bit of the bitterness, the Bible says he spit it out and would not consume it. And if the lamb would not drink of it, I think I'll try the lamb's way first. And I came on a Wednesday night to try and help somebody and remind you that the key for you to live in contentment and fulfillment it's going to be when you just learn to try the lamb. You say, how do I try him? You just come down to an altar. It doesn't have to be a huge pull for people to come. But he's here tonight just, just to try and get a hold of somebody and remind them all over again, in the middle of everything you're going through, I'm still good. 
Come on, is there anybody here that wants to try him tonight? I'm not, I'm not going to beg you to come. But he's here right now at the altars waiting for somebody to come down and lift your hands towards heaven and just say, God, I, I need to taste you all over again. I need to try and remember that the Lord is good all over again. Come on, somebody. He's good tonight. He's good. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what hell you're walking through right now. But what's going to help you get through? it. It's by you lifting your hands and your voice and saying God, in spite of all of this, I just want to be reminded that you are good. Come on, if you're a visitor here, you can try him tonight. There's nothing like it. (laughs) Come on, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death tonight, try the Lamb. Come on, God is here to help. Come on, God is here to heal tonight. God is here to deliver tonight. Come on, let those tears flow all over again. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Come on, he's good. Never forget he's good. Come on, identify with what he did on Calvary. Come on, God's good. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.